2: Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hi, everybody. It's John Halpin. I'm laughing a lot. Welcome to the Friday, September 15th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. And joining me today is Derek Van Riper. Fanball, we're not laughing at you. Derek and I are actually laughing at, we're not getting into politics, folks. But apparently, people are sharing a picture of Donald Trump rescuing cats during Hurricane Harvey.
2: Yes, I, I, I don't understand why the future is the way that it is, but this is the time we live in.
1: <laughs> it, the picture, it, it's its a fake picture, and um, it, it, if you look at it, people are sharing it. I went, oh, I want to see this picture because Derek told me about it. And it's the picture of – it's Trump's head on – it looks to be a, a man in his mid-20s, maybe 30, that's very healthy and fit and carrying cats, and Trump's
2: head is on it, and people are sharing it. <laughs> People is, think if it's online, it's real. Like it, 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 There are people that actually think that Like with anything, anything on the Internet, like just a, a, a group of a block of words that looks like an article. I, I mean, my grandma has fallen victim to this before where she's, oh, yeah. she's asked me questions about something she's found online. She's like, hey, I read about this supplement online and I want to order it. And I'm like, grandma, that's, that's not yeah, don't a good that. idea. You don't want that. And I tried to explain it. And yeah, I don't know. Some people just they... <laughs> They can't distill reality and, correctly.
1: And, and please make no mistake, we're not trying to beat up on Trump here. It's just when you look at the picture and people believe it's true, it's so ridiculous
2: that people think it's him. It's un—it's just unbelievable. <laughs> like I said, the future is very weird. It's not what I expected as a child. It's, I, it's very different than I expected. I want to superimpose my head on this photo. I'm going to play with Photoshop later or something. That's probably going to be the meme of the weekend is everybody just – rotating different heads on there crying jordan will be on there yeah they'll do the crying jordan thing on the cats i mean they'll do the thing where uh you know they they photoshop trump holding the cats over the girl in the one dress where the guy's looking back at that girl and then the girl he's with is like ticked off like e- e- this is gonna yeah. be memed in every possible way so right uh Dial in accordingly or dial out depending on your preferences. Please dial out on this one. Because now you know what someone will do? They'll
1: put Hillary's head on it, and then everybody will yell at each other on Facebook. Just like always. Yeah, so it'll be good. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's not it's not gonna end well. No. Nothing does on the internet anymore. Except us. So um, all right. So one Thursday night note, because God, as I said to someone this morning, I think my eyes are still bleeding from what I saw of that. It was terrible. Actually, my cable box in in the bedroom went out. Or wasn't showing the digital tier channels where NFL Network was in the second half. And I was actually grateful that I didn't have to watch the second half of that game
2: because it was so bad. That I mean, would, lawyers would call that an act of God.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. However, I did see the first half. I did see the, the only worthy highlight of the game, which is Deshaun Watson's touchdown run. What was it 48 yards or so? And what I wanted to ask you, look, the guy doesn't look ready from a passing standpoint. But did that run by itself make you look and go, you know what? In a 12-team league, if I got buys coming up, I can live with that guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think we knew he had the ability as a runner kind of coming out of Clemson. To see it pay off in his first start makes you a little more confident of having to roll him out there if you have to. It's a short list of weeks, or I would say you know, this is the best I can do in a 12-team league. 14-team league, yeah, that, that's probably going to be a case where if he's not owned already, somebody's going to swap out their backup for him right now, uh, and he won't be an option for that. But I'm looking at Houston and, and their upcoming schedule, and I'm, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of a game where I would confidently predict Deshaun Watson to get you more than like 16 fantasy points in a game, and I, I'm not sure I'm there yet.
1: Okay, I'm gonna look at that schedule too. But okay, so if you look at this, hang on. So they've got at New England, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Cleveland. Um, but we agree that they're better than they were. Seattle, yeah, they got a tough, tough road the next five weeks. But I mean, rest of the season, just for example, based on the running we saw, I'm not. We're not saying Deshaun Watson is ready to be like this really good NFL quarterback. I mean,
2: Watson or Trevor Simeon. Most weeks, I would probably play Simeon. If I, if I had those two, was my, those are my two options. Maybe my my quarterback ends up getting hurt the next week or two, and one of those guys is my backup. I pick up the other one. I'd be more comfortable with Simeon. I like the weapons more. I like the balance in the offense a little bit more. Uh, the offensive line play for Denver seems like it's a level above Houston's. So there's just a, a little bit of everything that makes me more comfortable with Trevor Simeon right now than Deshaun Watson in year one. I mean, I think that the best thing about Watson for me continues to be that having his mobile ability and his willingness to take some shots downfield. You know, I think he he makes Deandre Hopkins a little safer and it's good for the running game. We know that for a a quarterback that can make defenses pay when they overcommit, you know, that opens up some running lanes for the back. So it's good for Lamar Miller and Deonta Foreman. The split last night was like 18, 12 in terms of carries and yeah, early on Foreman looked a little better and it all kind of leveled out. They're both under three and a half yards per carry at the end of the game. So yeah, I'm looking at Houston and feeling slightly better about them today than yesterday, but not getting overly excited about Deshaun Watson just yet.
1: But okay. But do, do the lack of weapons and the offensive line play,
2: I mean, basically do they make Watson more likely to take off? I guess they do, but at the same time, it makes it harder for him to sustain drives. You know, like yeah. it's at a certain point, the lack of, of talent around a player just makes three and outs more likely, and I think that's going to be the kind of thing that works against the whole offense. So, you know, the per carry numbers for the running backs look better, the high volume of targets DeAndre Hopkins is going to get, maybe the, the per target average is a little higher because of Watson, but... Houston's still going to be a team that struggles to score some weeks, and that's going to be something that holds down the value of some of those players. It keeps Hopkins from bouncing back to the Brian Hoyer season two years ago. And, you know, Miller, because of the presence of Foreman and because the offense isn't going to go crazy, most likely, you know, he's kind of in that fringy, like decent running back to not really a running back one range for me. All right. And uh, we might see the,
1: the, the test of our 150 targets from Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown better than 250 from Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins, the way things are going. He just throws to him every
2: play. I don't blame him. I do not either. What else they have? They don't have any tight ends right now either. That's another kind of downside for Watson. I mean, Fedorowicz is on IR. Ryan Griffin didn't play. So young quarterbacks need a tight end to rely on. It's a big target, short and intermediate passing game. It's an important spot. Uh, I saw someone pick up Gary Barnidge one of my leagues. Is he is he latching on somewhere? Is he a guy that could end up in
1: Houston? I thought I saw a report today that he could end up in that Houston was talking to him because they that have literally sense. nothing else. Yeah, they they got wiped out by injuries.
2: Yeah, so he was meeting with the Texans this week for a workout. That would be good for Watson, but still not the kind of thing where I'm looking at him and saying top twelve quarterback. I think matchup play based on. You have a bye week and, you know, his floor because of his running ability is a little higher than, I don't know, maybe Brian Hoyer in a tough matchup or something like that.
1: Okay. Um, everyone, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now. As always, fanball.com. Uh, social media, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. On Twitter, I'm at JHalpin37. You can catch uh, all the news you need at RotoWire NFL Injuries between now and kickoff on Sunday. You can also reach out at RotoWire or find us on Facebook and send us a question there. Um, all right, well, Odell Beckham's the big one this week again. We're, we're recording this right now. It's Friday, a little before 5 p.m. Eastern. And Odell Beckham um, practiced in a limited fashion again today. Uh, According to Ralph Akiano of Sportsnet New York, there is, quote, optimism within the Giants organization that Odell Beckham will play. However, it's Monday night. We don't know if he'll play. We don't know how effective he'll be. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, again, are we rolling into this with the backups? Last week we had more backups because it was Sunday night rather than Monday night, but... I mean, do you sit on Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram, or do you just say, I am not? I don't want anything to do with this and I'm playing someone else?
2: You know, I think we could get some information after Saturday's practice since they got the Monday game. Could get an update at some point Sunday from Adam Schefter or Jay Glazer. Something like that would probably give us clarity prior to the first wave of kickoff Sunday. If we don't get that, let's say Beckham's limited again Saturday. You know, that's, that's possible at this point. He had an injury that was supposed to require a six to eight week timetable for recovery and he got hurt on august 21st we're not even four weeks past <laughs> that yet right. so what version of odell beckham are we going to get are we going to get a decoy version are we going to get a version that tries to play every snap and has a setback Are we going to get a version that plays every snap and isn't very effective are we going to get Odell Beckham on a bunch of Toradol just looking like himself and then feeling like crap every week all season. I have no clue. I, my, my gut instinct is that the Giants know how much they need him. And after last week especially, it was a pretty harsh reminder of just what that offense looks like without him. They don't want to jeopardize the entire season for an extra week or two at the front end. And I realize in the NFL you don't want to fall too far behind I think you give it at least one more week. I think the limited practices are encouraging. I think if your fallback options are, especially the, the alternative, guys that aren't, you know, if you're not, if you're not waiting on Shepard on Monday for that call, if you have a top 35-ish receiver that you could slot in for Beckham, I'd be more comfortable taking that than rolling the dice on him and risking all those limited scenarios on Monday.
1: That's actually where I have... I have Beckham at wide receiver thirty-two right now. So that's my my line of demarcation is Jeremy Macklin. Yeah,
0: I, if you
2: get Jeremy Macklin playing, Macklin makes more sense. Like that, the right. Macklin's floor is reasonable enough to forego the first week back of Beckham, not knowing one if he's active and two how active he'll be if he is in fact on the field because it, it's. It could just be a true game time decision. We may not get that extra info before the Sunday games kick off. Right.
1: Okay. Um, and by the way, if you do want to wait, the under 50% guys in that game, uh, Shepard's 42% known on Yahoo. Ingram's 22%. Shane Vreen's 20%. So Vreen and Ingram would involve flexing Beckham. The other side, all the receivers on the Lions are owned in too many leagues. Marvin and Galladay. Galladay was a popular guy this week. He went up to I think seventy four percent ownership. So you are not getting any lions to wait on Beckham. Ebron, none of it. Um, All right, Colts ruled out John Brown. He's got a quad injury. Shocker. Um, Bruce Arians must be thrilled. Um, The Colts, in addition to being terrible on the offensive side of the ball, they're not good on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to be without uh, cornerback Vontae Davis and safety Darius Butler. um, is JC, how appealing is J.J. Nelson?
2: I like him quite a bit. I mean, he doesn't need a lot of targets to be productive. And without John Brown, when they throw downfield, it seems like there's a decent chance Nelson's going to be that guy. He's a burner, as we've seen in his previous opportunities to fill in for John Brown. And as far as like an actionable, what would you do? You know, if you're looking at the waiver wire and Nelson's out there and you're rolling – a mediocre running back, you know, a Rob Kelly type. Mm -hmm. I might know somebody who has this problem on their hands. (laughs) It's really tempting, especially if you're getting like a half point per catch, because we know Kelly's not going to catch that many passes with Chris Thompson there. It's really tempting to kind of swing for the fences with Nelson, because he could take six or seven targets, catch four or five balls, but score on like a 50-yard play. He doesn't doesn't necessarily need Carson Palmer to throw it, Forty yards in the air either. He might just take a catch near the line of scrimmage and beat his guy and be gone. I mean, that's the kind of breakaway speed he has. No Vontae Davis for the Colts. You know, Larry Fitzgerald's going to be a, a volume machine, but he can't get every target. Right. And Nelson, to me, is kind of that clear-cut number two who seems to have a little bit of a rapport with Carson Palmer already.
1: And uh, Nelson, five catches on six targets for 43 yards and a touchdown in week one. So um, he's throwing to him. Uh, last injury to talk about. Uh, Chargers are going to be without Jason Verrett. Really good corner. Um, what does that make you think? I mean, uh, Devontae Parker is the obvious one. Kenny Stills was a bit of a trendy sleeper for some people in, in the preseason. Uh,
2: do, do you want to upgrade those guys? Yeah, I think you do. I, mean, I think uh, Casey Hayward might match up on Devontae Parker, but that's not a matchup that it makes me sit Parker in most circumstances stills is always kind of a a gpp consideration i think once we get to the bye weeks and injuries have picked apart our rosters a bit more that'll be the point where i start thinking about him as more of a season-long option uh he's almost the kind of player i don't even like having kenny stills on my bench it's just he's out there in most of my leagues like 12 team leagues he's always available for free it seems like (laughs) and and unless one of landry or parker We're out of the equation for several weeks. I just don't think the week-to-week target volume is enough to where you want to use a roster spot on him. So DFS tournaments, I can see it maybe as your third receiver. Uh, Parker, you know, I I like him enough anyway where I'm probably using him. So it's good news for the Dolphins passing game as a whole, but I don't know if one player is going to get a huge jump because of Verrett's absence. All
1: right, that's fair. Um, All right, everybody. So we're going to get ready for DFS this week. And you've tried Daily Fantasy Sports and you know you had fun and you loved the competition but you know you lost a lot probably i mean not all of you but a lot of us it happens Um, The the sharks in the pool, they just, they kind of probably, in a lot of cases, they took your money. You know, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, So you quit playing, but playing Daily Fantasy is supposed to be fun. But when you lose, it's really not so fun. We're going to tell you about a whole new approach to Daily Fantasy Sports here. It's the Fanball number at Fanball.com. Here's the Fanball difference. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contests against players at that skill level. So let's say your Fanball number is 35. You're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. They have their own contest. At Fanball.com, every player has a Fanball number, and every contest has a Fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around, say, that 35, and know that it'll have players just like yourself. They've leveled the playing field with the Fanball number at Fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. That's Fanball.com. Check it out for Daily Fantasy. Okay, who are you curious to see this weekend? Not necessarily, I mean, you know, we always want to see Antonio Brown but who are you curious about? What players are you looking at going, i want to see how this guy does in week two, whether it's a bounce back
2: or a continuation or whatever. What's the encore going to be for Kareem Hunt? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's nowhere to go but down, but he's going to get heavy workloads week in and week out as long as he can shoulder it, right? I mean, that, that's inevitable. Um, by the way, he's 6,800 on fan ball, so ownership will be, I expect, very high on Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. on fan ball this weekend. Uh, you know, Same with the, the Patriots. You look at that game. Is their defense going to recover? I mean, The Saints are a tough matchup in the Dome, especially. Can they show up and at least play well enough to win in a shootout? How's the distribution of carries going to look this week? Is it still going to be a lot of Mike Gillisley? Uh, that's, a, that's a huge one for me. Seattle's offensive line. They looked brutal against yeah. the Packers. I and mean, the Packers have a healthy defense right now. We know with Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, that's always subject to change. What's Seattle going to look like against a team like San Francisco? Because if the Niners are getting a lot of pressure, I'm going to start to worry about Russell Wilson, the running backs, and maybe even some of the pass catchers there too. I mean, at, at what point, at what point is an offensive line bad enough where you take top five and top 10 players their respective positions and downgrade them? Like we're seeing some of that in Cincinnati right now too. Andy Dalton hasn't played well. And on top of that, the line in front of him isn't very good. So I think Seattle, just from a personnel on the offensive line standpoint and in the backfield, there's a lot to watch in the game. They should win easily.
1: Right. Um, okay. I, I, I like those. And Cincinnati,
2: by the way, fired their offensive coordinator today. So no big At shot. least they took action quickly. I mean, yeah, they did. They were bad against two teams that, when we look back at the end of the year, if the Ravens and Texans are both top five defenses, that's going to be a really, really tough outcome for, for Zampese who got fired. Right. But at the same time, the Bengals have plenty of weapons offensively, so they shouldn't have laid an egg in back-to-back weeks at home. I mean, failing, failing to score a TD at home in back-to-back games is really hard to do. Really hard to do. I agree. Um, all right, Todd Gurley.
1: It, last year, I was on the train of, you know, it's not his fault. He gets hit in the backfield every play. And the numbers proved it. Um, last week, they just tore the Colts apart. But Todd Gurley really didn't. He went 19 for 40. At what point, he plays the Redskins this week, another, you know, not a terrifying opponent. If Todd Gurley goes 16 for 45 this week, I mean, is it time not to cut bait, Because a league where you would cut him is hard to imagine. But are we finally at the point where we need to completely revise our expectations?
2: Yeah, I mean, if if Gurley Gurley was drafted pretty close to Lamar Miller Mm -hmm. at the running back position, and they might be more similar than we want. I know in in leagues where people are more aggressive with upside, like the NFFC, the Gurley price was a little higher. Miller sank a little bit. But there was a, a good portion of draft season where... Gurley and Miller were within 10 picks of each other. It may turn out where they're actually more similar than we ever thought. I hope that's not the case. I hope Todd Gurley's the guy he was as a rookie, but that he wasn't running wild on the Colts, that surprises me. Maybe the Colts were selling out a little bit to stop the run, and that's why Jared Goff ate him up. I, I, I don't think that was really it. It was, not, it was not the first week you were looking for from Todd Gurley. Like if, if, you, if you drafted him in the second round... Because you believe in those skills. And I, I do. I, I I thought what he did as a rookie was real. I mean, he did that behind a pretty bad offensive line on a Jeff Fisher coached team as a rookie coming off a torn ACL. One of the more impressive rookie seasons I've seen from a running back. But at a certain point, you can't just sit here and keep projecting him to do that again. Right. Because it's, it's been a year and now another game on top of that. So what, what's his buffer, really? Like when... When are you willing to say, Gurley's just not the guy that he was as a rookie anymore? Is it after this week? Is it four or five weeks into the season? Because he's got Washington at home, San Fran on the road, Dallas on the road. Those are his first four. Are are four weeks this season enough if he's averaging three yards a carry after we get through week four? I think yes.
1: I mean, I I don't know that I think he's Trent Richardson, which is a comp that some people use. But he's – I mean – I. Last year, I was I was confident all along that he was going to be he was going to return to the guy he was as a rookie, and, and because of the breakaway ability. And I, and I just, it put, if we go through those four weeks against those teams, and he's averaging you know two point seven, I, I mean, I don't know. That, that's that's when I look and I say, I don't know that I care about the volume. I'm going to be benching him more than I expected.
2: I mean, it's going to come down to how much running back depth you have. But you don't want tough decisions for a guy that you drafted in the first three rounds. That is not the outcome you were expecting. And I have him in one league. And it wasn't because I wasn't trying to get him more. It just kind of worked out that way. I had a lot of end of round one picks, and I didn't take him at the one-two turn. So I, I don't have to make that decision, fortunately. Maybe I'll trade for him if he has another dud this week trying to get an RB1 or a low-end RB1 at a slight discount, but he's, he's worth watching closely. He should be on the list of players to not only watch the box score, but try to actually watch some snaps, too, and see. Is, is it a problem where there are holes and he's not getting them? Is it a problem where the line's not blocking for him? Is it a problem where Washington is loading the box and just daring Jared Goff to beat them? That's what you have to kind of keep an eye on. All right. Um, I agree. Next guy I want to talk about,
1: Chris Hogan. So Chris Hogan in week one, everybody went, when Edelman got hurt, everybody went crazy about Chris Hogan. And last week he ran a few times, which is weird. And then, you know, he had five targets. He only caught one. Just didn't do a heck of a lot. Uh, Against the Saints, uh, Amidol is out, by the way. So, um, I, I'm excited I, I have a feeling That Chris Hogan is going to have a really strong game Now I was, gonna, I, I was excited about DFS Until I saw the price tag Because I'm looking at DraftKings And he, he's, he's basically a top 20 wide receiver Because they're playing the Saints But if I own Chris Hogan In a season long I am completely firing him up
2: this weekend Yeah I mean he's, His price is all over the place Depending on where you look He's 3800 on fanball just by by comparison. So ownership rates will vary. The thing about the matchup is that Chris Hogan was on the field more than any other pass catcher for new England in week one against the chiefs to play pretty much every snap against the saints. That's a gift for anybody. I mean, even if Chris Hogan's not good, even if he's going to be a disappointment this year, even if other guys in that offense are going to step up and ultimately have more consistent roles, I think you use him in week two. If he goes off, he's the kind of player that you include as part of a trade. I don't think you're going to flee somebody selling Chris Hogan high if he goes five for 80 in a TD this week. But I mean, this is a guy that on, on a Patriots team last year that needed playmakers when, when Gronk was down early in the year and really, they really didn't have a number two receiver step up. He's only really targeted 58 times. Mm-hmm. They, they threw the ball at James White more than they threw it at Chris Hogan last season so I don't know if it was because he was still learning the offense if injuries were kind of affecting him limiting him in practice or what it was but the per target numbers were good and yet they didn't throw to him more and I can't quite figure out why so yeah I like him for week two but that's not going to sell me on Hogan for the next few weeks after that okay that's fair um
1: anyone else in particular that you want to see
2: yeah there was there was one other man what was it it was uh Blanket on it at the moment. I want to you know, see how the Steelers use Martavis Bryant this week. Yeah, I do too. The target volume was a little lower than I expected. I think Rothsberger missed him at least once downfield against the Browns. And I, I think, you know, with the way the Vikings' defense works, Xavier Rhodes probably matches up on Antonio Brown a lot. So this should be a good setup for Martavis Bryant and, you know, like everybody, I, I see the size, the speed, and, and the situation all being favorable, but we need that volume to go up if Martavis Bryant is going to make the leap and be a top twenty fantasy receiver this year. He's
1: one of those guys. I think I've told you before. I don't own him generally because there's too many weeks like last week. And I don't were you and I talking about it, or was it someone else saying, you know, we can't imagine. You, I think you said Monday he was two for fourteen, and you, and you know you would bet that that's that's the
2: low point. Yeah. But like, every game where he plays the same number of snaps going forward, I would be surprised if he has a worse game than that one. Right. I just don't.
1: He's so boom-bust that I just don't like him. Um, I want to see the Buc- I, the whole Bucks offense, just everybody, because I want to see how the pieces fit. I mean, Mike Evans is the guy that I would say this least applies to because I think I know what I'm going to get from him. But how are they going to throw to DeTron Jackson? How are they going to deploy the tight ends? How much work is Quiz Rogers going to get and Sims behind him? I, I just, I'm really curious to see. And to see if Jameis basically takes this step forward that we've been
2: expecting. Like, I'm really excited to see the Bucks. Yeah, I, I am cautiously optimistic that they will be better as a team. I think Deshaun Jackson makes Jameis Winston's job a lot easier. I am not overwhelmed by their options at running back until doug martin comes back and even then it's doug martin but i I feel feel better about the possibility of them getting a good version of doug martin than the version of jacques rogers that ran over a pretty bad san francisco defense last year and needed heavy heavy volume to be you know a useful fantasy contributor yep
1: all right um okay everybody Week one, as you know, is in the books, and we're almost at week two. But it's not too late to get closer to the game you loved with love with DraftKings one week fantasy football. This Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a one hundred thousand dollar pick'em contest that is totally free to enter. Pick'em's the newest way to play one week fantasy football, drafting your team faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers. All you have to do is select one player from each tier. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete, compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contest where, you're, where you'll play again. I'm stumbling tonight. Sorry, DraftKings. You'll play against people of a similar skill level. And the best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code WIRE to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code WIRE to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is free to enter. So really, why wouldn't you try it? Check it out. DraftKings. The game inside the game eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com for details. And Derek, I'm looking at draftkings.com. JJ Nelson is uh 3800. I'm excited.
2: Yeah. I'm ready. JJ Nelson at that price even when John Brown is playing mm. is a gpp consideration. Without Brown, the target floor goes up. So, I ownership rates going to be higher too because yep. that's going to be an easy connect the dots After the Colts looked so bad in week one, even if the Cardinals are terrible, the expectation that the Cardinals are going to go in there and roll as well. And uh, this is another situation where I think most leagues have owners in them who are smart enough to not buy in on Palmer or Fitzgerald after a big game against the Colts. But I'm not going to feel great about the Cardinals at all this season. I can can already tell. The way that team is built, Carson Palmer's 37. Larry Fitzgerald still looks pretty good. But if, if John Brown's going to be in and out of the lineup all year, it, it's, it all falls on Fitz and Nelson. I don't think they're going to get a whole lot going with that running game. They brought Chris Johnson back. I mean, are you investing in any of the Cardinals running backs? Did you pick any of them up? Do you have to play any of them
1: this week? I, try, I tried a bit on El, a small bit on Ellington, figuring that Kerwin was going to be too much and I don't trust him and maybe Ellington would emerge as a, as a reasonable option
2: that I could get cheap. But I didn't get him. So. Yeah, I think I picked him up for a buck or like zero in the stake league. And, and clearly, I, I don't feel confident in Andre Ellington. But I thought back to, hey, we, we liked Andre Ellington once. I know at least I did. did. That Two he, years ago, he was a fourth-round pick. Yeah, he was like a $25 player on my, my Stopa League team. I think I mentioned that a week or two ago. Yeah. But with Ellington, the per carry numbers we've seen at times have been good. It's, it was pretty bad in 2014 when he got heavier volume. But he can catch passes. If he does that, gets a handful of carries on top of that, at least in full-point PPR leagues, he might be one of those Vereen types that you can plug in. So if you pick him up for next to nothing, or if you picked him up for next to nothing already, you, you, know you might end up having a back you can use a little bit just by the way the Cardinals have to distribute the workload. Yep, I don't know. Yeah, I,
1: I'm, I don't know. I actually picked, in the picks I did this week, I actually took the Colts just for, you know, Hey, how bad, you know, the Cardinals might be closer to them than we like want to think, which is kind of scary. So, ah, uh, uh, man, I, I, the Colts, even with luck, are bad. I know, I know. All right, I want to move on to, uh, we talked about Jason Verrett earlier, and I was looking at the at, at com, and, uh, our friend Jeff Erickson does rankings early in the week. Jeff has, Jake Cutler at QB 11. Now, you are not Jeff Erickson, so I am not going to you know, shine the FBI investigator spotlight in your face and ask you why he has Cutler at QB 11. But
2: why do you think he has Cutler at QB 11? I think you start looking at the guys he has below them, below Cutler, there's a lot of tough matchups. There's a lot of uncertainty. But in that game, I like Rivers more than Cutler. Yeah, because I like the weapons a little better that Rivers has. It's not; those teams are not that different. They match up pretty well against each other. So I would have Rivers ahead of Cutler. If Wentz were at home, Carson Wentz would be ahead of Cutler at Arrowhead without Eric Berry. That's probably about right. Cutler Wentz being kind of a coin flip. You know, Tyrod's on the road against Carolina. I know you believe in the Carolina defense, and I'm on board with that. Mariota at Jacksonville. That one would be one... If I'm choosing between Mariota and Cutler, I think there's some people out there that have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. I'm not punting on Marcus Mariota after one disappointing game against Oakland. Oakland's a good team. I know he had him at home, but Jacksonville got to tee off on Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson in his first NFL action last week. So I'm not looking at Jacksonville with, with a lot of fear, even though the, the personnel on defense is, is better and they look like a team on the rise they got to prove it for more than one week for me to say that Cutler is a better option than Mariota in week two. But, but, uh, but they changed their name to Saxonville. Didn't you see that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird to me that, that teams do that especially <laughs> when they tweet serious stuff, as I, as I said with Alan Robinson, but looking down below that, I mean, Trevor Simeon against Dallas. Yeah. I'd rather have Cutler for this week. Sam Bradford at Pittsburgh, I think the Steelers defense is pretty solid. Bradford's got that knee injury, should be okay. That probably makes sense. It's close. Stafford against the Giants on the road, I like the Giants defense. I just don't like the Giants offense without Beckham, so you're going to give Stafford like 45 attempts because the Lions love to throw it so much if you can't sustain drives. So Stafford versus Cutler is one of those decisions that I am very grateful I don't have to make that call. I don't, I don't know. I still don't like the, the Cutler. I, I feel
1: like I haven't seen enough that is going to make me play Cutler over almost anybody.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see bumping him down four or five spots. But once you put him at, like, the midpoint, you put him at, like, 15 or 16, there's not a lot below that point that I feel good about. Dak being on the road in Denver I hate that keeps one. Dak down there. That's right. not a good spot. Eli, I have low because of the, the Beckham like the Beckham situation, it's it's a crapshoot on the bottom half of the quarterback list right now. All right. Um next I want to go to the Bears.
1: Um Tariq Cohen was a popular guy this week after the way he played in week one, and you know, well deserved. They threw to him a ton. He ran well. He's a really fun player to watch. Um Jordan Howard, shoulder injuries, he's listed as questionable, well, expected to play. But I mean, how do you think the Bears use Tariq Cohen? Because I I feel like of the questions I've been getting, the most popular one this week has been Tariq Cohen or X. And I keep going, come on. I mean, I like Tariq Cohen. And I think they're going to throw him a decent amount. But let's, you know, it's easy to say let's not go crazy. I'm not starting. I don't have him as a top 20 running back because we don't know how many times he's going to get the ball. Even with all the receivers out, maybe they line him up in the slot. But how, how do you think they use him? How much do you think they use him?
2: The, the Darren Sproles comps are so funny because I heard a clip of Tariq Cohen talking about that as the comp and how he believes in it. He's, he hopes he can be around and productive as long as Darren Sproles has been. That is more or less what he is. He's five, six. You don't have a lot of five six guys tearing up the NFL when you look right. back at NFL history. It's, it's extremely rare. Uh, unless Jordan Howard's shoulder injury is more serious than we think it is as of right now, I just see him catching some passes, getting a few carries, and because of the low volume, he's going to be volatile. That's just the way it is. Full PPR, sure, maybe there's some flex appeal if you're talking like 14 teams. But I think he's just a guy you have on the bench that you know once injuries and bye weeks become a factor or if Jordan Howard goes down, then you can trust him. But as a, as a role guy, even on that team, I was only willing to throw about 5% of my fab at Tariq Cohen. It wasn't enough to get him in any of my leagues. Right. And I'm not sad about that, because I think that skill set, explosive as he is, is reasonably easy to find throughout the year on the waiver wire.
1: And, it's, and, it, and that skill set
2: screams limited role. Right. I mean, like Jacquez Rogers had that little run last year where he was a starter. And even if Doug Martin weren't coming back this year, let's just say Doug Martin got released by the Bucks. Would anyone expect Jacquez Rogers to keep the starting job all season? No. Nah. Cutter likes him. It seems like but yeah,
1: I agree with you. You, you wouldn't be seeing Jaquiz Rogers getting 20 carries a game. Nah, just it, it it
2: wouldn't happen all season.
1: Right. Because that limits your ceiling. That's a good team and they basically
2: say I we have to try something else to make plays. So yeah, you got to you got to have balance. So I mean the Bears they are uniquely thin with pass catchers otherwise, so high volume of receptions could be there for Cohen. I just don't think he's going to get many chances to carry the ball, right. and that's going to ultimately chip away at his overall yardage output. All right. I want to go to Denver.
1: In, in the preseason, Jamal Charles looked okay, and people were, some people were a little curious as to how he was going to look and, and how much work he'd take away from C.J. Anderson. Well, C.J. Anderson got 20 carries for 80 or 81 yards, I think. Jamal Charles 10 for 40. Um, what, what, do you, what do you make of this? I was excited as a C.J. Anderson person, fan, and owner somewhere. Um, Jamal Charles, I kind of went, all right, that's nice. I don't know if I see it continuing. And they can't keep running that much. There's, there's not going to be 30 carries to go around between the two of them
2: every game. There could be, though, because if, if you're the Broncos, you have a good defense, so you're probably playing a lot of close games. Simeon is competent, but not someone that you want to rely on any more than you have to. And Charles is good enough to get in the field as a pass catcher, too. Devontae Booker comes back in week three. I'm not really worried about that. I think, you know, it could be like 18 and eight some weeks instead. So, yeah, maybe it's closer to 25 carries that Denver has to offer up in in a lot of matchups. But I think what they did kind of works, where it's two-thirds, maybe even three-quarters of the touches going to Anderson and the rest going to Charles. He'll have a couple games where he catches a few more passes and, scores and and becomes kind of a fringy flex option in bye weeks i don't think he's gonna overtake anderson for the job but i think he's rosterable because if anderson were to get hurt again yeah i think they would give charles enough touches to where he would be pretty interesting
1: they give him a shot anyway certainly all right yeah he's
2: a he's a good handcuff not not, i mean and again i I don't have a lot of cj anderson i've got charles in a few places where i don't have anderson just in case anderson breaks down i think anderson looked really good in week one. So yeah. um, I don't really expect him to shake up the balance with both of those guys healthy. I think it's going to take an injury for a, a major change in Denver. All
1: right. They can run on the Cowboys, we think, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, th- add the Cowboys defense to the list of things that I'm kind of curious about for week two. Mm-hmm. You know, what what percentage of what they did Sunday night was their personnel and scheme being better than we thought? And then what percentage was the Giants' offense just looking so lost and confused? I'm going to go zero and 100 on those two right there. Yeah, I was thinking like 10 and 90 <laughs> maybe. So I'm, I'm very skeptical of the Dallas defense. It's going to take a couple of weeks of them playing well for me to think that that unit is significantly improved.
1: And by the way, Orlando Scandrick out for the Cowboys. Byron Jones limited in practice at a secondary hurting badly. So Trevor Simeon, everybody.
2: Again? Again? Trevor Simeon? Wow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: All right, uh, the the fantasy games of the weekend appear to be Pat Saints and Packers Falcons, based on your over-unders anyway. Um, any, it's hard to find under the radar guys in that game. I mentioned that Hogan's price is really high in DFS, for instance. Um, you know, James White, the, the guy that I, I identified there that maybe you can grab if you want a piece of that game, Mohamed Sanu. Not great, but... I mean, last week he was six for 47. Last year the guy caught, you know, 60 passes basically. For PPR purposes, he's probably going to catch a half a dozen, don't you think?
2: Yeah, he, he's probably going to be involved. I mean, I, I think with Sanu, the Green Bay secondary is actually healthy right now, so they may not be as leaky as they were when those teams met last year in the playoffs. Hooper's cheap, but everyone's going to be on him because of the, the long TD catch, even though he's only targeted two times. I mean, Austin Hooper on DraftKings is 3500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So he'll be the, I want a cheap piece of the Atlanta offense option for a lot of people. Do you, looking at Sanu and then looking at Gabriel, Gabriel's 4,000 flat. Right. I almost wonder if you go Gabriel because you know it doesn't take a lot. I mean, Sanu, Sanu could just be three for 45 and not score. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility. It's the meaty part of the curve for him. And Gabriel certainly has a lower downside, but the payoff could be pretty significant.
1: It could. He's, he's and, the home run hitter. He's,
2: he's your tournament guy. Yeah, so, I mean, Sanu might be, I don't know, Sanu might be okay. I, I think Sanu, because he lacks that sort of explosiveness, does get overlooked. He fits the description that you threw out there perfectly. But, yeah, you're looking at shares of those games. Those are going to be the most common combinations that we see. Okay. Definitely. The, the, the Packers-Falcons stacks in some combination, and then the Saints and Patriots. I think in the Saints-Patriots game, you know, Fleener's only 3,100 on DraftKings. That's pretty nice. Everyone's going to want Cooks because of the revenge narrative and all that. I mean, Cooks just going up against the Saints defense is just interesting regardless. Okay. If, if Brandon Cooks had played for the Panthers and now played for the Patriots, we'd just be excited about this matchup. There, right. there, there's no need for a revenge narrative. Those are mostly a joke anyway. So, Hogan, you know, he's kind of interesting. Not crazy about him. Are you on Philip Dorsett as like the ultimate Belichick's going to find some way to throw a guy out there that no. we have no expectation for? I think it's a little early for it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I,
1: I don't know. I think that might be just. as much as I love Belichick, he's,
2: he's not a complete magician. So, so that's, that's where I'm at with, with Dorsett too. I think there's going to be some point like in week eight or week nine, or I don't know when their bye week is. I may have just named their bye week but there's gonna be some point in the second half of the season where with injuries and the usual stuff that happens where we're going to be like, Hey, Philip Dorsett's a GPP play. This isn't quite it, even though it's tempting. Right. Rex Burkhead. Only was on the field for 10 of the Patriots' 81 snaps, but he lined up as a receiver on some of those, which was really weird. So the the goofiest punt of all, flex or second running back, for 3,900, Rex Burkhead could have a totally different kind of role because with Amendola out, they may line him up in the slot a little bit. Did I read that somewhere today? Yeah, I, I, I saw that put out there. And, and I mean... Going back to the problem my grandma has with the internet, not everything <laughs> you read on the internet is true. But Burkhead was lining up as a receiver last week a little bit, and they they want somebody to handle that role. So stranger things have happened. I don't think he's going to be a full-time slot receiver. He might just be out there in some packages. He may find himself on the field a lot more. And against the Saints, being on the field is a great thing because anybody on the field can score against the Saints. Right. Um, By the way, going
1: back to the the Falcons NFC Championship last year, Sanu five for fifty two and a score. Gabriel two for twenty four, and Julio Jones. I think he I think he caught eighty four passes against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. I think that That was a. It's nine. Sorry, only nine. Nine for one eighty and two. That's pretty solid.
2: Yeah, Julio went crazy in that game. Yep.
1: Um, All right, everybody. So. You, you won less than you thought last season at Daily Fantasy. You know, we've heard this before. Um, playing against people with 100 entries, you know, it sounds like a nice challenge, but more often than not, it is a losing proposition. But if you're tired of losing in Daily Fantasy football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. That's Let's Rumble, which is Rumble without an E at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. You can play head-to-head for your best chance of winning, or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game, and you'll be entered in the leaderboards. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store now. Get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. Check it out. Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store and get that free $5 bonus. Thanks a lot, Let's Rumble. Check it out, everybody. All right, we're going to close it out like we did last week. Players you love. Who do you love? Who do you want to see? Not just you want to see. You feel like you love more than everybody else.
2: Yeah, it's kind of an exercise in what have I done with my lineup so far when I have the creativity to do anything. Uh, I do love Brandon Cooks this week, uh, like everybody. That's not a big surprise. Marshawn Lynch going up against the Jets. I mean, talk about a team that has a a huge edge in the Vegas line. Should get plenty of carries. The Jets, to me, might be okay against the run, but the volume's going to be so great that Marshawn Lynch should roll. Could see 100 yards and a TD from him. Uh, Christian McCaffrey week week two. I liked him in week one. Also, I liked how much he was on the field. Yeah, like he he didn't have a a crazy game from a production standpoint, but it quietly wasn't bad because I think he had 18 touches. He played more snaps than Jonathan Stewart. 6600. I think on Fanduel, he is very affordable. Looking across most of the DFS sites, he's 5600 on DraftKings, for example. I mean, that's really nice. I like McCaffrey quite a bit going up against the Bills. I think they're going to have a hard time covering him as a pass catcher in particular. I think that's where things are really going to be a mess for that Buffalo defense this week. Uh, The other guy that I I, I like quite a bit is actually Devontae Adams. I don't know if he counts as an under-the-radar guy from the two high-scoring games we were talking about before, but he's actually pretty affordable everywhere. I know a a lot of attention's on Randall Cobb right now. Cobb looked great against against the Seahawks in the Packers' first game. Adams, we know, is a guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts in the red zone. And I think week to week, the production across the top four pass catchers is going to be a little bit fluid. So when interest starts kind of pushing a little too far in one direction towards Nelson and Cobb this week, I'm going to be the guy trying to sneak in and get the slight discount on a guy like Adams and take advantage of that. All right. Uh, Mine are I I
1: love I think Jameis is going to light up the Bears. I know I mentioned him earlier. But I really want to see that. Um, Terrence West. I mean, I do want to see how much he he splits with Buck Allen. But Terrence West, everybody gets... People were excited about Woodhead in the preseason, right? And then Woodhead got hurt. And I know it's a different thing. You know, People owned West and didn't own Buck Allen. People said, oh, I got to go pick up Buck Allen. Look, he got more snaps than West last week. And man, Buck Allen, I think he finally... Fantasy relevance is back for Buck Allen. Terrence West just... He's playing against the Browns in a game that, I said, I'm not beating up on the Browns as much as we used to, but the Ravens should win this game. And if they're ahead, they're going to run. Terrence West ran 19 times last week for 80 yards. And a touchdown. I mean, he's the early down back, and they're going to run. So I think Terrence West doesn't get enough love, Uh, and and I kind of like him a lot. Uh, Randall Cobb's the other guy. I I think we might have talked earlier this week. I really liked the way they used him last week. Cause last year I, I, and you can give me more insight about this. I couldn't wrap my head around what happened last year. I know there were injuries going on, but Rogers Rogers loves Cobb,
2: right? Yeah. They, they have a great relationship. They do commercials together. Uh, I believe Rogers was in Cobb's wedding as one of his groomsmen. Like they're tight. Like they, that matters. That chemistry matters. Like they, they have that, they had that experience. Playing together, we've seen Randall Cobb on plenty of broken plays, key plays for the Packers of the last five years where he's found space. Rodgers finds him, and there's so much for opposing defenses to account for on the outsides and over the top that Randall Cobb has a lot more room to work now underneath that he's had, and he's healthy. That's the key thing, too. Yes. We've talked about him before. Injuries, nagging injuries that he's played through have bothered him, I think, off and on for the last two seasons. He's healthy right now. I totally understand why you're on him. It, it might make more sense if you're going to stack Packers to go with an Adams-Cobb-Rogers combo or a Cobb-Bennett-Rogers combo just to kind of lower the, the cost and then to get exposure to the, the Patriots and the Saints and the other, the other high-scoring games this week. I mean, that might be the way to go. Not because Nelson's not a good play, but because there's such a price difference, and you're still getting really good ceiling potential from those second and third and even fourth options in the Green Bay offense. Cobb 5900 on DraftKings—that's pretty good price. Yeah, it's really it's really cheap. It doesn't seem like there's a, a big adjustment yet for his role, and that came against a great Seattle defense. This—the the one of my takeaways from Week One—you know, Seattle lost, but. Seattle's defense looks as good as it's looked in the last five or six years. Like right. they they are going to be fierce as they start to gel a bit more. They lost Jeremy Lane early in that game. I was surprised that he got ejected on that play. I, I didn't I mean, again, I'm a Packer fan. I thought that was a little right. bit thought that was a little bit weird. There were some calls that were strange both ways in that game. But I'm looking at the, at the Seattle defense right now, and I think if you have them as your as your main defense, you're gonna be really happy with right. them over the course of the year. I mean, they held the Packers to 17 points. They were scoreless in the first half at home. Yep. That's really good. And they're, Ty Montgomery had a good day because he scored. He got lots of volume. He, he took over the backfield in a way that few people expected he could. They kept him, on a per-carry basis, fairly quiet. Right. I think their run defense is elite. Their secondary can still ball hawk. And they're going to be a pain for most teams to match up with on a regular basis. I mean that defense will go crazy this week in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, they will. And that offense, as much as people complained about them last week, cause they, they laid an egg. If the offensive line gets better, they don't have to be good. They just have to be adequate.
2: Yeah. Then, I don't, I don't mean, I don't know enough about offensive line technique and things to, to look at an offensive line and say, they've got the potential to figure it out. I honestly have no clue. I mean, if, if five or six weeks from now, that line, can be close to average because the chemistry is better. Schemes are are kind of adjusted. Seattle will be as dangerous as they ever are because everything else still looks really good for them. But they're going to live and die by the quality of their offensive line play. All
1: right, Uh, Derek, you know what I'm most excited about this weekend is that we talk again on Monday morning and I will not have to complain to you about the Giants at that point because they won't have played yet. So,
2: yeah, I mean, like the Monday XM show with, with Jeff and Chris will be better. The yeah. Tuesday one will be terrible, but the Monday one will be good. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be in a better mood on Monday, yeah. most likely. Liz and I both, definitely. It'll be, it'll be good. Tuesday will be terrible. Even against the we'll say
1: it's the Lions. It's the Lions and they still stink. All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day RotoWire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Um, Derek, other than
2: this spectacular podcast, what else are we doing to get people ready for week two? Get the weekly rankings up. We talk about that all the time. Uh, Lots of blog posts, great columns. I know Mario Puig's film review is up. Definitely check that out. Uh, It's impossible to watch every snap of every game for most people. Mario does it. It's pretty amazing. So there's some things that don't necessarily show up in the box score that he wrote up. Uh, the DFS tools are ready to roll. You get the optimizers. So no matter what site you're playing on, you can get all the things you need to have a good lineup going over there. Rotowire.com slash pod, as you said, is the best way to get a free 10-day trial. To check all that out. All right. And, um... Uh, also check out
1: Patriots fans you know what you should do you should check out uh, Jim Coventry's post on roadwire.com about how maybe father time could be catching up with Tom Brady I'm sure you'll love it <laughs> <Really great.
2: laughs> you're just trying to tick off Patriots fans this weekend
1: <laughs> well I actually read it today and the argument it wasn't a crazy argument he said well he had a bad week and there were some, there were some warning signs and hey I don't know if Tom Brady's done but he's 40 so you, it's, it's within the realm of possibility which is a perfectly logical argument
2: now, he, he is old, so he, yeah. and players are not usually the same as they get into the very, very late stages of their career. So, I, yeah, it's a, it's a well-reasoned position. Right. I mean, I think he's going to throw for, you know,
1: 350 and four touchdowns this Sunday. But anyway, yeah, it was funny. I think people's heads will explode when they read it if they're Patriots fans. So you know, well, it's, it's not me, so it's fine.
2: Everybody's going to throw shade at Jim if Brady goes off this week. But it's like Sam Bradford went off against them last week. Like, right. You, this, if, if you're a Brady owner and you're convinced that something is wrong, a week two matchup with the Saints is your out. Because assuming he does what pretty much any quarterback can do against the Saints, you will have a player that people still look at and give you full value for next week. I mean, right. that, that, that will happen because one disappointing game and then one monster. It's not going to change the opinion of most people out there. So you'll be able to get away from Brady if, if you are in fear of, of you know, what's, what's been happening in this one game we've seen so far.
1: All right, folks. Uh, as always, please review this podcast and rate it if you're listening. We'd appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode will be coming on Monday. Derek and I will be back reviewing most of the action from Week 2, so please check it out. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck this weekend.